In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. For those of you close readers of our Sunday lessons, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, didn't we have the baptism story last week? You would be right. Today we get another baptism story, but this time from the Gospel of John. And John's Gospel links the baptism of Jesus with the other most critical moment that begins Jesus' public ministry, and that is the calling of his disciples. For the Gospel writer... Jesus' public ministry is that twofold baptism and call of followers. Now, before we get into this, I need to make a note that I'm going to be talking about two different Johns here today. The first is John the Baptist, and then we've got John the Evangelist, the one who wrote the Gospels. I'm going to try my best to actually say which one I'm talking about, but in case you get confused, just assume that either is good. So, (laughs) for John the Evangelist... This twofold beginning of Jesus' ministry really matters. And in the story that we get today, it's sort of in those two parts. The first, John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, here is the Lamb of God, and then recounts Jesus' baptism so that everyone can hear. And in the second part, John the Baptist sees Jesus again and says, there is the Lamb of God, and John the Baptist's followers turn and follow Jesus, because you see, John the Baptist had been talking about the coming of the one, the Messiah, who would lead them, and here he is. John the Baptist had followers himself. He had gone out and been preaching and teaching and had attracted his own people, but John had always pointed to something beyond himself. And then here comes Jesus. And so some of John the Baptist's followers go off and follow Jesus himself. Now, this gospel lesson gets at, from the very beginning, what John, the gospel writer, the evangelist, thinks of Jesus. If any of you have ever studied the gospels, you know that there are four and that three are very similar and one is not like the other. John's gospel is unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke because John has what we call a higher Christology of Jesus. Christology is just a fancy word of saying the nature of Christ. John thinks more of Jesus in that theological sense than the other gospel writers do. For John, the nature of Christ is found right here, repeated twice, the Lamb of God. For John the Evangelist, Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the sacrifice that solves the biggest problem of humanity. For Christianity, the biggest problem of humanity is that of sin. We can't help but make bad choices. We cannot help but choose things that God wishes we wouldn't choose. We can't help but sin. And that sin is corrected and cleansed because of Jesus's sacrifice. Sin is the problem, and the answer is salvation through this giving of Jesus. Now, that sounds good. We're all likely familiar with this idea, but unfortunately, we in our modern age don't really like this idea of sin and salvation. Why? Well, because we tend to kind of like ourselves a lot more than perhaps we used to. In our modern world, we are very quick to believe in ourselves, to lift ourselves up, to know that, what, we can accomplish anything if we put our mind to it. And that sounds so nice. That sounds good on a t-shirt. You're going to get lots of likes on Instagram when you put stuff like that up there. But 
The problem with that kind of perspective is that it doesn't quite hit what the Christian theology teaches. And that is that it creates some of the ideas that I just makes me cringe. One of those things is that great saying that people love to say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. That's terrible theology because the whole idea of Jesus in our Christian tradition is that we actually can't handle it. We actually cannot handle life on our own. Life is just too hard. Life is too much pressure. Life will ultimately be more than we can handle. And God knows, has always known, and God has sent us the way to be saved from the difficulty of life. That salvation is Jesus. And that salvation comes because Jesus is willing to be the sacrifice that bridges what our sinfulness is and what God wants for us. That wholeness, that completeness of God. You see, Jesus wants us to find what we call heaven, to move closer and closer to God's ultimate oneness in that heaven. But heaven is so much more than what we kind of popularly think. Heaven's not this thing that we get in the end as a reward after we die, and it's certainly not one of those places that has a lot of flying chubby angel babies and people playing the harp. It is better than that. What Jesus teaches us is that heaven is oneness. Heaven is when we link with God, when we commit to God, when we have faith in God. And in doing so, we actually change the way we live. We change our whole condition. We are very truly saved from the human condition that can bring us down. Last week when we talked about baptism, I offered the idea that God has chosen us. God chose us first. And in baptism, we get to choose God back. God's love for us comes before our love for God. And in baptism, we begin this journey of choosing God every day. And in choosing God, moving closer and closer to this oneness, to realizing this heaven that God promises us. Let's assume then that we have all made that choice this morning, which got us up on a holiday weekend to come to church. We have chosen God back again, but perhaps we're not quite sure what to do with that choice because our world is messy and hard and complex and overwhelming. And who are we as individuals? Who are we in our small groups to really do much to counteract the pain and the heartbreak of this world? makes me think of a story I love about Mother Teresa. Years back, there's a story about a young novice considering becoming a nun who traveled to see Mother Teresa, to follow her as she cared for the sickest people in India, people who were near death. And day in and day out, she would walk around and she would look them in the eyes and she would cleanse their wounds and she would tell them that they were loved and then move on. And after seeing this day in and day out, this young novice said to Teresa, Mother, aren't we supposed to be telling people about Jesus? Aren't we supposed to be evangelizing about Jesus? Yet every day you go and tend to people who are not Christian and you never mention Jesus to them. And Teresa looked at this young novice and said, One day, all of these people will see the face of Christ and they will recognize him 
because of me. That little story to me encapsulates everything about our call in this world. We, on our own, we in our small groups may not be able to change everything that is wrong in this world, but we can do the next right thing with love. And not just with a general love, but with that all complete sacrificial love that Jesus gave to each one of us. You see, yes, Jesus came to save us, but Jesus's offer of salvation saves us from realizing that we are loved in small ways. Our salvation comes in the form of realizing that we are loved so completely that we cannot even imagine it. Our salvation comes when we resist despairing in the face of the pain of the world and instead choose hope. Our salvation comes when we forgive ourselves for making mistakes and instead give ourselves permission to just do that next right thing. Yes, Jesus came to show us the face of God and when we choose God back, when we choose to love God back, we begin to show the people in our world the face of Christ. And when that happens, we move ever so slowly and ever so surely toward God's kingdom now. Amen.